HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. Listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host and producer is Sophie Schlesinger. Hello. And in the booth, we have the very talented Jack Inslee on sound effects and music and pretty much everything, everything. else. He's just <laughs> keeping everything together. Uh, today's show... We are very excited to be here with the uh, the ladies extraordinaire from Edible Manhattan, Gabrielle Langholtz, who hey. is the editor, and Rachel Wharton, who Hello. is the deputy editor. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Not the Joe Biden. Not yeah, Well, maybe. We have to come up <laughs> with another thing. Stay tuned for a live broadcast on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Stay tuned for a live broadcast on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. of Edible Manhattan, which just came out. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Saxelby. 
You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Happy Monday to everybody out there, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, my co-host and producer, Sophie Schlesinger. Hi, everybody. Uh, my husband, my new <laughs> husband, Patrick Martins, is also joining us today. <laughs> Um, and today, our the topic of our show is just very mildly cheese-related. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the Red Hook Criterium, uh, which is an amazing bike race and road race, actually, that takes place in Red Hook, Brooklyn, once a year. Uh, it happened uh, last Saturday, March 24th, and it was a really, really amazing event. Um, so we have... Uh, Joe Donato in studio with us to talk a little bit about this event and uh, and what it's all about because it's a it's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, we actually got involved because uh, we donated some cheeses for the winners' gift baskets, which I was very honored to do um, because these athletes are pretty spectacular. Um, well, welcome, Joe. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about the Red Hook Criterium and how you got involved with uh, with the race? Sure. Um, the Red Hook Criterium is basically uh, an unsanctioned road race that Dave Trimble started doing about five years ago in Bushwick, uh, Red Hook. Um, <laughs> We're in Bushwick, yeah. Yes, I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. um, it started out with about 20 of his friends just doing um, a cycling race. They would shut down the streets on their own illegally and uh, hold the event on his birthday historically uh-huh. um, and it just started to grow every year more and more people would find it uh, interesting and get involved and want to race and now it's become one of the top races in in the country for the underground kind of pro urban athlete scene that's amazing so um, how many participants were there in this year's competition we d- I think we had 200 runners and 100 cyclists that's wow. amazing. Yeah. And coming from where? Come all over the country? Um Italy, Spain, all yeah. over the all over the US. Um a lot of New Yorkers. Um but he's got a, a legacy in his family for the cycling industry. His uncles and his father pioneered the carbon fiber frame. They were all engineers and architects and they just got into the the cycling world and and kind of like broke ground. Wow. So, so he's got a significant background in cycling and yeah. he races himself. Okay. Okay. So I was going to ask you yeah, who who is David Trimble, but so he, he's long, long history in the bike industry. Yeah, and he, bike he, racer, and kind of he seemed like a really fun, crazy guy. <laughs> he is crazy. I, there's a lot of things <laughs> I didn't realize about him until I started working with him. But he's extremely competitive, and it's a family thing. Um, <laughs> all his brothers, his sister, they all race competitively in different aspects of cycling. Uh, his sister Hannah does like downhill mountain biking, but wow. like for real. Wow. Kind of stuff like she she finished the race with a broken neck once, mm-hmm. and uh, actually the she told me this story a couple of weeks ago. Uh, crossing the finish line, there was a jump, and she passed out in midair from the broken neck that happened ten minutes into the race off a drop off. She finished the race anyway. When she came to, she was on the ground and she had paramedics all over her, and all she was saying was, "Drag me across the finish line, drag me across the finish line." And then when she was being airlifted to the hospital, she was like, "Did I win? Did I win?" She didn't care about anything else except the competition oh my god and this transcends <laughs> the entire family yeah his father trimble's father ran in the running race and then cycled in the cycling race on uh wow on, yeah on this wow. year's criterion wow hardcore that is hardcore. super hardcore and new york based family or um um some of them are from alaska i think oh that that's hardcore yeah. in and of itself yeah but um 
I'm not exactly sure where they're from. I never got that far in the conversation. Okay, okay, yeah. interesting. I, I mean, um, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that movie, like the O'Doyle Rules. I forget what movie that was. <laughs> um, Billy Madison. <laughs> Billy Madison, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Nice but, you know, much up. more, yeah, yeah, much more gutsy. Um, yeah, the, the, dis- the display of, you know, athleticism that we saw on Saturday night was just really impressive. Um, and for the lead runner to finish at 1357 of 5K is, is amazing. It just shows wow. you the level yeah. of competition that we're dealing with this, with this event and how far it's gotten. Wow, 1357. For 5K. Wow, and for the women's finish, is it was it all? Um, was it uh, separated? I know the cycling race wasn't separated. Like there wasn't a separate one for women. Uh, was the running race same thing? Everybody goes all at the same time. Everybody ran at the same time, but the genders were scored separately. Okay. So I think um, the the women's finisher was, I want to say somewhere around fifteen, fifteen minutes. Wow. wow. But, wow. I mean, she was she was booking. She was hauling. Yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. Now, tell us about the venue, um, because yeah. that's actually another funny tie-in uh, that I don't I didn't really realize until, you know, we started talking more about the race. Um, the, the Port Authority Cruise Terminal? Yes. Well, originally, like I was saying, Dave would do it on the streets, kind of on the fly. He would plan a course, and then as it started to grow, he realized he had to go legit and get the permits and, and everything else. And uh, the, the cruise terminal was just ideal because of that that hairpin 180 that he developed and then um, the remainder of the course it just seemed to work well for what he was trying to do and the kind of technical course he wanted to create Um, I mean you do have straightaways where you could get some speed built up and then it cuts right back into a turn almost every time so it's just about challenging the cyclist and creating something that's dynamic and kind of one unique and one of a kind. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I, as far as cruising the, two, the the cruise terminal, I think it was just a matter of keeping it local in Red Hook and finding a place where it would work. Exactly. You know. Well, it's pretty cool because you know our uh, warehouse is like a block away from where this race happened, and so all week I was kind of like uh, trying to imagine in my head. I was like, really? Yeah. Just out there, like in the parking lot behind this like weird old abandoned building, you know? It created a different identity, I think. Once that that the people started to show up, you started to feel the energy build, and it almost transformed that area into something that was unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah. it was really special. Well, I feel that way about a lot of red of Red Hook. Uh, you don't really feel like you're in. New York it's a really special neighborhood yeah. and it's like it has a really great sort of um yeah amazing energy the detachment is nice I mean I've only been there since I've been working with them and I uh, was blown away walking around and just feeling that that uh kind of separation from everything that you know about New York and what you assume New York is and it's completely unique yeah I could and live I, there I think yeah, yeah I feel like more things you know, you can get away with more in Red Hook than you can in uh, some other parts of New York. Yeah, it's a little like wild, wild west. Yeah. yeah, and I was going to ask, do you know have any idea how you go about getting a permit for something like that? And do you have to create a proposal and submit it to the city? I mean, how do you phrase it, that in I've, a safe way? I can, I can actually relate it. I used to be an architect, and I feel like it's like going for any kind of construction permit. You have to lay out a plan. Yeah. And you have to have every aspect of that plan kind of detailed and explained in a way that can be presented to a board, I'm sure. I I wasn't involved in this process. I came on later in the game. But just from my experience and what I heard them talking about and stuff, it feels like you have to put together a proposal written and and visual describing safety, uh, you know, human safety, egress pass, uh, everything to provide uh, the city or town with all the information you can. Sure. about what you're doing, how many people, like, safety issues are, are the priority. 
Well, and yeah, that that needs to be a priority because as we as we witnessed, you know, we saw our fair share of wipeouts. There was some really, you know, gruesome looking yeah. <laughs> falls that night. I heard uh, one guy broke an arm, and then um, the other story that was floating around was that somebody's fork just snapped in half in one of the in one of the crashes, which oh, is wow. which means it was pretty intense. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we saw one guy come into the finish. He was literally a hundred feet from the finish line. And totally crashed. He got tangled up with another bike, and there were sparks, you oh, know, no on the on the pavement. I was like, "Holy moly!" Well, hopefully everybody's all right. But I got stuck by the terminal itself doing a course marshalling, so I didn't get to see the finish and and the the hairpin turns and everything. But it was still exciting from my point of view. Yeah, you know, no yeah. falls though. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, um, so just a little bit about the course. Um, so it was uh, about three quarters of a mile, as Point I understand. Seven, seven, yeah. Point seven seven, and um, yeah, included one really scary hairpin turn, and the uh, racers all had to complete twenty four laps for a thirty k. Yeah. For a thirty k, and um, the rules were um, if you got lapped, you were eliminated. Right. That applied only for cycling, not for running. But um, it's a way to just kind of create. Uh, a safer competition this mm-hmm. way anybody that falls off usually it's it's survival of the fittest essentially and it creates um, a more intense dynamic with the lead pack as they get closer to the end yeah you know and it's a safety thing too absolutely yeah, yeah no you couldn't you couldn't have like tangles of uh tangles yeah. of bikes going around those because yeah. no, as turns. people fatigue that that slower pace is becomes it's like being on a highway and somebody's going 20 miles an hour it's just very dangerous yeah know? yeah so the winner uh, was daniel chabanoff yeah uh, do you know about anything about his background or where he's from? I have a couple of friends that have been roommates with him and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm kind of new to the realm. Mm. And uh, I mean, my, my game is mostly running. Okay. Um, so the cycling thing is, uh, this is my first exposure to the, com- the competitive edge of that. Yeah. You know, but I've heard about him. Uh, I'm from the Lower East Side and a couple of my friends are messengers and they're very linked to the pros because a lot of the messengers just kind of come up mm. and, uh, the greatest part of that process sometimes you okay know? so i feel like uh from what i heard about about him he's just always been extremely fast that's yeah. all i can really say <laughs> he well he yeah, won i want to say he he was out in the lead by like almost probably 30 seconds at the end yeah which yeah. is amazing i mean he pulled it off right away and then maintained dropped back a bit at one point because i remember thinking oh the pack's catching up but then blew it wide open at the end i'm sure he knew what he was doing yeah yeah, yeah. part of the strategy Definitely, definitely. I'm like trying to look for the results. I'm on the I'm on the website here. By the way, if any of our listeners want to look it up, you can um, just Google Red Hook Criterium, and uh, and they've got a great website and they've got um, uh, a photo blog as well. That's mm-hmm. really fun. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> um, I didn't want to interrupt, but um, I really appreciated seeing on that very small course how the pack system works. Because uh, even though they might not be in the front pack, guys in the second pack were racing against each other. Um, and then anyone who was in the race still and who had not been lapped was a serious rider. You know, even though they might have gotten past a few <laughs> things later. Anyway, I just really admired seeing that. And my question to you is, does cycling have a hierarchy like tennis where people are ranked like I'm 500th in the world? or um, And where would these guys be ranked, do you think, like if that winner was at the Tour de France? Would he compete in that as well? I'm not 100% familiar with that. Um, but I would assume that that's a completely different type of race. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe, but again, that, that kind of exceeds my knowledge of the sport at okay. this point. But uh, I'm sure there is a ranking system of sorts. Um, but yeah, I think it's like with this race in particular, it's it's bragging rights. 
mm-hmm. and it's about and that's an, it's finishing first of course is uh, an amazing accomplishment I think finishing period gives you bragging rights yeah you know with this particular type of race yeah you know Trimble created something very unique and I think that's why it draws such an international crowd and, and attention and fan base I mean, I was hanging out in the office during the week, and you just had guys stopping in just to say hello to him that have come from San Fran and Italy and Spain and all this other stuff. They're just cruising around Red Hook, checking it out, and it's kind of like the mecca, you know? Yeah. It's it's a it's a big draw. Um. So I looked up the 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 the, the results for the uh, for the cycling race, and um. So yeah, Dan uh, Chabanov came in at uh, 43 minutes and 53 seconds, basically. Uh, then Rainer Schrafer was uh, second, Evan Murphy was third, Zach Felpel was fourth, and Colin Strickland was fifth. Um, and then there's actually a woman up on the leaderboard as well, which I was born, I was wondering about because I was like, you can't tell who's who in their in their cycling outfits. But a woman named Casey Manderfield finished in 44 minutes and three seconds, or yeah, 44 minutes three seconds. Which I, pretty- I wish Trimble was here for this part because I do believe that she won a previous crit. Maybe the first one. Wow. But again, I'm new to the criterion. Sure. Um, so I'm not 100% sure I could back that up. But I, I know uh, one year a girl did win, and I do believe it was her. That's badass. Yeah, well. she's pretty badass in general. Yeah. <laughs> she's on the flyer, I think, for uh, for the, the cycling portion, wow. if I'm not mistaken. I hope I'm not screwing that up. No, well, <laughs> I, at, any, at any rate, she deserves some major props because I didn't see many women. Uh, I think you know. there were two. Okay. And one of the other ones was a good friend of mine, uh, this girl, Jessie Zappo. She runs with uh, New York City Bridge Runners, mm. and she's uh, heavily into the cycling scene and running scene. And she was nervous all week, but I think she did really well, and everybody's really proud of her. You That's know? awesome. It's a major accomplishment, I think, for for a girl to even hang with that crowd. And uh, I think everybody did an amazing an amazing race that night. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, is there much overlap between the? I mean, in terms of like training, like do the um, cyclists and the runners like? you know, uh, sort of do many people do both or is it kind of a separate? There's definitely a spectrum. Um, a lot of us, I mean, a lot of people that, that do the urban running scene and, and whatnot are, are definitely into cycling. Um, the level at which they participate in, in one or the other varies. Um, but a lot of my friends are, are doing both mostly recreational mm-hmm. type of cycling. But I mean, we do kind of like I mean, there's a lot of alley cats going on and stuff like that. That's completely unsanctioned, off the radar. Planned out courses through the city at night, checkpoints and different types of themes. Like there's a Thanksgiving one where they go into supermarkets and grab canned goods. And then they have to go from point A to point B with them and drop them off for charities and stuff like that. So oh wow, it's kind of this, this uh, subculture cool. that I didn't even know existed until maybe nine months ago when, when I started my running crew. And got introduced to all these other people that were already doing these things, and it just kind of blew my mind. You know, it's just amazing what what goes on that nobody knows about. Yeah. You know. Well, so that's that answers a question because yeah. we were like alley cats. We were kind of you know reading up on different races that happen around the city and you know bike culture in general, and the alley cats was mentioned. So that's these unsanctioned races that you were telling about where people just kind of go around and yeah it's just i mean they vary too with their styles and and what they're about but it's just kind of like no permits no permission very dangerous at times you know kind of just out with traffic and everything and just yeah yeah, going crazy yeah pretty crazy and again it's the same same type of guys competing in these things extremely fast messengers some some urban athletes some pros you know it's just all for fun 
And that's a really specific kind of race because to be able to ride your bike on the streets in New York and ride fast, yeah, you really have to have that muscle memory of just having done, you know, been weaving in traffic, you know, every day for however many years. You know, I would imagine a professional racer that's used to riding on a track, they could be the fastest person on a track, but to get in the streets like that, then you know, is a pretty and be able to anticipate, you know, different everything thing that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of technique involved in street riding in New York and. You really have to be aware of everything around you. It's almost like seeing 12 steps ahead at, at any time yeah. and anticipating movement and, and cars and traffic and everything. It's, it's, it's intense and very dangerous, but exhilarating. Yeah. You know, even like I'll ride at night. It's very non-competitive, not at any level at these guys, uh, as these guys are doing. But just going through traffic alone, like down 7th Avenue at night is one of my favorite things to do. And it's in the midst of traffic. Like it's like a current just carrying you. You have to keep up and it keeps pushing you. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't keep up, like you said, then that's when it gets dangerous. Yeah. Because yeah, then you have to become part of that that mm-hmm. flow, or yeah. else you're gonna you're gonna really bite it. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your running group and what you guys uh, what you guys do. Uh, my running group is uh, Orchard Street Runners, based out of the Lower East Side. We're very small. Uh, we we kind of do our thing uh, differently than some other uh, running groups. Some running groups are, you know, involve social interaction and and like doing things and like i don't even know how to describe it my group is about running it's about just kind of like going fast and being competitive within our own group it's it's almost like a race every tuesday night Mm. you know it's about pushing each other and about running sixes or fives or, or sevens or whatever your goals are and and just kind of like pushing as far as you can for as long as you can you know it's kind of creating its own identity as it goes. It's, it's it, in its infancy, and it's just starting out. So we're, we're kind of finding our way. But we're just trying to do things for the community. And, and, and we, we recently did a fundraiser for the Girls Club, Lower East Side Girls Club. Mm-hmm. That was a, cool. was a huge success. We, we made over seven grand in about three hours for them doing a silent auction. Wow. Which was, uh, it was really fun. That's that's really impressive. That yeah. is very very cool. But we have we have some big plans coming up for for spring and summer. We're going to put on our first race, which is going to be uh, an underground midnight half marathon. Cool. Going from Lower East Side to Red Hook, and then cool. back. Details are being worked out now, but it's can people be... can people keep up with you uh, online? Do you have a, a a site or a blog or anything where people can? I do, but I don't maintain it. Um, it's just I don't kinda, blame you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of tweet things here and there, but it's mostly dealing with the people I see directly. Yeah, and we try to keep it to word of mouth. Yeah, and that's cool. Keep it small. That's yeah. very cool. Um, all right, Orchard Street Runners. Well, <laughs> Tuesday nights, you know. Tuesday <laughs> nights, six thirty. We meet at Lost Weekend, which is forty-five Orchard, mm-hmm. just above Hester, and we leave at seven o'clock promptly. We don't wait for anybody. So, and how long are your runs generally? On, it depends on the crew. We'll do a minimum of five and a half miles, mm-hmm. um, as many as 10, if everybody's up for it. Yep. And we just kind of project the, the route onto the wall and just kind of figure it out as we go. And then we leave. And that's, that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. Very simple. We try to keep it grassroots. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Well, so um, what uh, are you going to be involved with the Red Hook Criterium again next year? I hope so. Develop the, the racing part even more? I would love to get the experience. Trimble's, what Trimble's done in five years is pretty substantial and mm-hmm. amazing. And I would like to gain whatever knowledge I can from him so I can start doing my own races as well, in addition with working with him. 
I think he's going to get involved in the half, the midnight half, but I'm not, I don't want to speak on his, on his behalf. At okay. This point. Okay, cool. And when did you say that's going to take place? Uh, my birthday, May 31st. Good birthday present. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I figured it's a good excuse to have a party. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks so much for coming out to Roberta's to talk with us about this. It was really fun. I mean, it all came together really fast. I met you and we talked about, um, you know, getting you guys some cheese for the for the race. And then uh, and then the actual experience of going was so fun. Um, I can't thank you enough. The, the, the contribution for the preems was amazing. And they ended up being uh from what Pavel said, one of the, the guy who organizes the running portion, they were the best preems of, of the entire time the crit's been in existence, and it's because people were willing to donate, and I really appreciate you. your donation and contribution. It was awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, people need cheese to yeah. keep, you know, keep going after you're, like, you know, out there doing crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Nothing like a big wedge of cabot cloth-bound cheddar. <laughs> I was hoping you remembered the name because I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, we're going to post some stuff, too, on the Heritage Radio website. Um, pictures. I took a short video of the cycling race. Um, so uh, if anybody's curious, you can also uh, check it out uh, at, at, at yep. Um But um, you can also Google Red Hook Criterium and uh, learn more about uh, everything that uh, David Trimble and his crew is up to. Um, so thanks again. I, uh, it's, it's really fascinating to learn about this, this whole new world. And even though it's not really cheese related, it's good to know that cheese fuels, you know, the participants, the participants. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will be back next Monday with, uh, another episode. We're going to be talking about the meat side of the goat coin. We talked about, yes. uh, the dairy side last week and, uh, we're going to follow up talking about, uh, goat meat and how that plays into goat dairy yep so it's part two join us again next monday on cutting the curd bye you're listening to cutting the curd hosted by ann saxelby you're listening to cutting the curd hosted by ann saxelby you're listening to cutting the curd thanks for listening to this program on the heritage radio network You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.